0: Welcome to Tactical Breakdown. On today's episode, we're talking about unmanned aerial vehicles, from procurement to training and everything in between. Here we go.
1: Welcome to the Tactical Breakdown podcast on the Islet Network, your number one resource
0: for law enforcement training. Here is your host, Adam Kanakin. All right, here we go. Another episode, another chance to share some actionable and relevant information for you. Excited to be here with you today. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Tactical Breakdown Podcast. My name is Adam Kanakin. I'm honored to continuously put these episodes out there for you. Hopefully, you're finding it useful and and relevant in your day to day. Whether you're in law enforcement, if you're in correction, security, public safety, EMS, doesn't matter. The whole the whole idea of what we're putting together here is so that you have some actionable, relevant training that you can use, that makes you safer, makes your agency safer, makes your community safer. That's what we're doing here. If you like the podcast and you, you're you getting something out of the content, consider subscribing or following the podcast on your favorite podcast player. That'd be awesome. And that way you get up-to-date information on everything that's coming out. And uh, depending on when you're listening to this episode, the uh, start of 2022 is coming up right away, right around the corner. And uh, there's going to be some massive announcements. So excited to uh, share those with you. On today's episode, it's one of the last uh, conversations that I had at Aelita 2021 uh, in St. Louis, and it's with Joshua Brown. And this was an interesting conversation because he is a UAV expert, so Unmanned Aerial Vehicle. And um, I uh, admittedly in the podcast, you'll hear me say that uh, I pretty much know nothing uh, about UAVs, but we were able to, to find common ground when it came to training. And um, that was a, a, an exciting part of the conversation. So I'm excited to share that with you today. Um, if you're a UAV fan, this will probably be a good episode for you. And uh, if you're a trainer, that this is, there'll still be a ton of relevant information. So let's jump into this episode with Joshua Brown and uh, get into it. Here we go. Hey, everybody. Adam Kanakin here with ILET Network sitting down at the 2021 ILETA Conference in St. Louis. Joining me today, Josh Brown, lead instructor here with Icarus this year. Thanks for joining me, brother.
1: I appreciate it. I appreciate it. it. Yeah. This oh is man, nice.
0: it's cool. I was excited. I, I was walking through the expo. I saw your stuff, and I told you, like, like I gotta. I know I had to talk to this guy. Um, it's a shame that you're not teaching this year. Correct. But I know you've done a lot of things in past years here as an instructor. And one thing we were just talking about before we hit the record button was the importance of instructional development science-based learning and science-based training. Correct. um, And how, even though it's getting better, there's still a lot of
1: issues that we need to sort out as an international law enforcement community. Correct, and that's the biggest thing is when we're looking at these things, this is advanced technology, but there's a lot of people who are making financial benefit from the absence of knowledge. And one of the things, especially being a member of the fire community, law enforcement community, EMS community, scientific community, knowledge is power or as i like to say somebody once taught me educational defensibility is legal defensibility and when i see people making all these programs i say okay well bring it to the law enforcement community bring it to the fire community and let them test it if it's that good you should be able to just say here try this and it'll work and i've yet to see people do that but i was extremely proud of my team and i when we took a program and we worked with some big agencies, but we also worked with some really small ones, and the variables all came out the same. It worked, and it worked really well.
0: Yeah, and and just a point of clarification for those who are probably wondering kind of the context in which we're talking about, uh, we're talking UAVs, and, and can you explain a little bit about Icarus and what it is that you do specifically to kind of put some context to our conversation? Sure.
1: So in 2014, uh, I was at American Military University for my graduate degree. And uh, I, I produced a thesis about the viability of unmanned aircraft in public safety operations. And I traveled the country for a couple months just interviewing a bunch of people, trying to really get to the, the root cause of this new technology and if it could actually be something that stays. And what I found was there was a, a, a void of knowledge, but also in training. And so I, I, I looked around and I realized, hey, there's a need here. And I started talking to brothers and sisters I served with, and he said, hey, bro, you're really good at this. You should, you should do this. We'll be behind you. And it meant a lot to me to have that community support, and I built the program, and next thing I know, I just started working with this person and that person, and it just became a collaborative effort. And next thing you know, we have an unmanned aircraft program that's accredited. People even at the Department of Justice have, have recognized it. Homeland Security has recognized it. Uh, we've been traveling all over the country, training this advanced utilization of these unmanned aircraft, but it also helps them be able to understand, hey, is this the right way to do this? Is this the best way to serve people? And how do I better save lives? That's all it's all about in the day. How do we do what we do to save more people's lives? I'm kind of a Luddite
0: when it comes to specialized technology like unmanned vehicles and things like that. But I like to equate my experience and knowledge to to conversations. And so when you had mentioned how agencies are, are bringing in these companies that don't really have the, the sound scientific backing, the accreditation, all of these components that show, hey, I, we actually know what we're talking about. I equate that to the martial arts world, and there's a reason why lineage is so important in a legitimate martial art. Well, where did you, Where who did you learn from? Where did you learn that from? And you can, and if you have solid lineage, and I can track it back to the ori- one of the originators of the art. I'm not saying that people can't adapt and change and, 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 and create new things. but I'm saying is when it comes to certain, like jujitsu, for example, we know your lineage in jujitsu is going to trace back to pretty much one place. Grace, and here. you should know who, like... If I ask my instructor who, he, who taught him and who taught them, I mean, I had, I had uh, the privilege of, um, of sitting and actually training with one of the original Gracie family members. Exactly. Um, and so I can say that, right? I didn't, like, it, short, the short five, six minutes that I spent with him one-on-one um, is nothing compared to people that train for years and years and years but you can still track that lineage back to the source knowledge of, and, and that it's, it's vetted. It's there, Correct. right? You can't, it, it's kind of beyond reproach at that point. The problem that we're seeing with a lot of these programs, especially with new technologies, is that you have administrations, you have decision makers and policy makers that have smoke blown up their ass. Pardon my French. That happens. Because they don't know any better. Correct.
1: And that's what the problem is. You know, I talk to people and they say, well, where did you come from? I said, you know, I, I, was, in the, I was honored to be a member of the United States Navy. Uh, I spent a lot of time doing research and development with people. Uh, when I got out of the Navy, I met a guy named Dr. Jerry Lemieux, who was one of the foremost leading experts in the world as far as unmanned aircraft systems. And I was blessed to go to, and, and learn from him about this technology because I, I thought it was fascinating. And unfortunately, he passed away. But that, what he taught me stayed with me. And I kept seeing that the future that he had always talked about started to become a reality. But when it, the money that people are making, I and mean, you're talking about millions, not billions of dollars are moving around, that's why we have people like Amazon and Google, they're now getting into unmanned aircraft on a massive scale. Well, we have to look at what does public safety need? And what I found was there was a lot of people who could not create something that actually could have the dynamic flexibility as well as the ruggedness that needed to happen for unmanned aircraft systems.
0: Yeah, it's funny because people will think of um, uh, drones, right, that you could come or buy commercially. Go to Walmart, buy a drone, yep. right? Um, you, and then you can go to the more advanced drones as a um, – oh, God – Please correct me, DJI,
1: is that right? DJI, yes. So like one that's more of a, a well-known but drone. It, med- but it, why is it well-known? And that's where the science comes in. What I found is that a lot of people were for finding this fancy SEO marketing plan and multi-million dollar programs that are coming in from all over the world. And I said, okay, well, what's the military used? They've used these things all over the world. They're going to know who's who, who, what's what. And... You know, I talked to people I had served with, and I ended up with this company, Instant Eye Robotics, out of Andover, Massachusetts. I had a chance to meet with these people, and their knowledge was just light years ahead of everyone else's. They understood things in a context that were just, it was just, it blew my mind. And I asked them, I said, could you help law enforcement? We really need you. And they said, well, we're trying, but it's, it's difficult. We're from the military. I said, well, I'm, I'm from the military, but I'm also from public safety. I'd like to work with you, and one of the greatest honors of my life was when they said, yeah, we'd like you to work with us to help us help law enforcement, help firefighting. Since then, we're seeing people more and more. They're asking more questions. They're seeing these these aircraft built by Americans, not outside of the country, but United States citizens building a, a piece of art, if you will, that can do these amazing things, and then pairing it with training that syncs advanced technology with the basic fundamental practices. Public safety—it's adding comfort. And when it's, when it's the middle of the night and somebody's life is on the line, people are going to that backpack and they're pulling that bird out and they're going and doing the job. People are coming back. You're making rescues, not recoveries. Yeah, the, the reason why I brought up companies like DJI is
0: those are the drones that people are used to seeing. Those aren't the drones that we're talking about that no. we use. Yeah. Those those would break up, smash up, take someone's fucking finger off. That's if they (laughs) were. Unreliable, um, and
1: are potentially a breach or a breach point for data. A huge breach point. Matter of fact, right now we can look at Department of Defense, Department of Homeland Security, Interior, Commerce, you name it. They have looked at these things, they've analyzed these things. These are threats to national security. They're causing problems for our community. And no matter how many times that people say, oh, well, that's not true, then why does it consistently come up? You don't hear about other programs made by other aircraft manufacturers causing this problem. It's a systemic issue. And I always tell people, whenever I give my lectures, I talk to them I said, you put on your uniform of the day. What can you buy at Walmart or off of Amazon? Maybe your underwear, maybe some boots, but everything else. The uniform of the day you cannot buy where a civilian can shop. There's a reason for that. Law enforcement, firefighters, we don't play with children's toys. We are adults that have a very dangerous job and it has to be taken seriously. And if the people who are making our equipment don't take it seriously, well, they need to go the hell away. I want to sidestep into
0: procurement process. What is it that you think is fundamentally lacking in, in most of these procurement pro- processes for
1: agencies? Um, and how do, they, how do they fill that gap? So a part of my Ph.D. in global security is focused on technology and integration. And what i found is there's actually, it's a psychology psychology issue. It's called illusory truth effect. Think about it like this. One study that I did was I talked to people about Mercedes-Benz. In North America, you hear Mercedes-Benz. In the depths of your mind, you hear John Hamm saying, Mercedes-Benz, it's all or nothing. You think about luxury, expensive. I did the same study in the European Union. Know what their themes were? Trash truck, ambulance, school bus. They don't have that sense of, oh, well, this is expensive. They just have it, oh, that's another vehicle company. So it's all about the marketing. And that's the problem is that this marketing of, oh, well, five to $10,000 is what these things should cost. No, that's not. That's not scientific. That's just somebody slapping some stuff together. When you actually start looking at what is, what is the rudimentary basic stuff cost, you're looking at $20,000 plus dollars Well, you say it to most agencies, oh, that's too expensive. I say, well, that's the baseline. You know, I tell people, okay, well, if you needed a vehicle, somebody said, hey, uh, the car is $5,000. You're going to say, oh, that's a piece of junk. I can't trust it. That's that's what the problem is. And that's where the procurement cycle, it needs to be reset. Is changing the idea of what is this item actually valued at. Until that changes, we're going to continue to have this issue.
0: So what is it? and I just wanna kind of peel back the layer on this one a second. What is it when we say like, well, you could, there's companies right now selling platforms for five grand, six grand, 10 grand, um, but to get something that is as high quality as what you guys have been producing, this is the cost. The difference is I think, and, and, and please I, I, I invite you to go into this, is that when they ask you what goes into your cost, you can pretty much give them an itemized breakdown of this is exactly why this costs this much and I'm gonna be transparent with you on it. Whereas you go to these other companies and they go, well, that's just because that's what it is.
1: Yeah, and that's exactly what it is. So our manufacturing partners, they make a great product. But When we actually give an agency our breakdown, I also give them an inventory sheet and it lists every single item by name, product number, and the value of that item. But then we also go into why it's What's unique to its design. Why is the training so unique and dynamic? And when they go and look at it, they're going, so you don't really understand that we're not used to this. I said, yeah, but I, that's why I'm going to work with you. People are so used to flying in figure eights and doing squares. So listen, I don't give a good goddamn if you know how to fly something in figure eight. Can you do IED detection and interrogation? Can you do search and rescue? Can you do fire ground support? Do you know how to do tactical overwatch? Can you map a crime scene? Well, no, that's advanced. No, that's basic. If you can't do that with the unmanned aircraft, you shouldn't be having them in your hand as a public safety member. But the problem is no one is actually teaching those things because it takes a real public safety educator to actually know how to teach someone to do those unique skills. And that's where the difference is, and that's where the transparency is. When people come in and they say, Well, where are your training credentials? And I start just pulling out all these association cards from instructor, instructor, instructor. Like, okay, okay, we get it. I said, no, I'm not done yet. There's a couple more. That's just me. Uh, Yeah, all the other men and women that work for me that I'm blessed to have on my staff, yeah, they've got a couple stacks too. You want to see those? Because they're in the hallway waiting to show you theirs. They're not used to that. They're used to one person maybe. I'm blessed to have a group of people around me. Some of my, my, my engineers and staff members that work with me to help public safety, they make me look dumb. And i go, listen, that's beautiful that I have people that are so smart that the CEO of the company is not the most educated in some areas. Mm. And that's because there are men and women who know this technology, who understand public safety. They have done it for decades. But they also went and got advanced degrees to help the community of public safety. Yeah. So we really are changing, changing the way people see unmanned aircraft and technology as a whole in public safety.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, We talk about this from a training aspect and bringing science into training and being able to show why, show the why behind the training. I can show you techniques until I'm blue in the face, but if I can't explain why we do it that way, how can I expect that student to buy into it? Exactly. They're not going to buy into, oh, because I told you so.
1: That would have worked 20 years ago. But not anymore. It doesn't work anymore. Well, one of the biggest things that a lot of people are talking about we always talk about, especially after what happened in 2020, oh, well, the use of force continuum, this, that, and the third. I said, OK, well, what are the indications and contraindications of the utilization of an unmanned aircraft? People's eyes start to glaze over. And I said, no, but think about it. If you're going to talk about all the weapon systems that we may have, the tactics we may have, well, unmanned aircraft is a tool. You should understand the reason why you should use it reason why you shouldn't use it. And I said, OK, well, the course teaches that. I said, it teaches that. But then when we get to the night aspect, we actually went and got a licensed optometrist to break down how the human eye functions so that we could teach men and women in law enforcement, hey, why do you need a robot at nighttime versus using the human eye? There's, a, there's legitimately a chemical in our brain that changes how our eyes view things. Using a robot doesn't have that problem. You testify in court, then they understand that you know what you're doing. It gives you credibility, and it makes the community feel like they can trust what you're doing. Well, people never heard that before, and I said, but that's the problem people who are teaching advanced technology should be able to like you said explain why there is a need for it and explain why what they're doing is not rudimentary yeah yeah it's 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 one of those battles that we have
0: right in yep. the in the training industry is 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 i don't want to say old guard and new guard cuz it's it's everything's kind of interleaved and mixed together it's pretty gray but we still see some instructors that have kind of rested on their laurels, and have been like, "Well, I've been teaching this for 15 years, like, and it's it's still good." You know, there's there's a. I, I spoke with somebody earlier, um, had to sit down earlier in the week, and they were talking about half life of training, and it's about seven years. If you're if what you're teaching or training hasn't changed or evolved in seven years, you're wrong. It's going to be gone. Yeah, the way I look gonna at it, you're going to be irrelevant.
1: I, and this is something I learned. At, uh, I'm a doctoral candidate at American Military University, and one of the things I learned is I approach everything as if I'm automatically wrong. And I have to find justification to be correct. And if I do that every day, I'm finding out new things. We're constantly finding out new, new techniques and new practices. Or somebody saying, hey, can you do this with the aircraft? Or, hey, what about this? And we're constantly evolving. But like you said, there's a half-life to it. But so many people are saying, oh, well, this is how we've always done it. Well, whoever said the initial way was correct maybe we're building upon saying where's the concrete foundation that says this is the right way to do it and that's why I lead it is so important as an organization in my view that it helps you to do that because we know in public safety if you're doing it wrong people are going to have something to say and they're going to tell you that you stuck you that you <laughs> suck okay you're bad at it everyone will be like hey hey I have my class nobody shows up yeah because you don't know how you're doing you need to go home mm. there's a big difference
0: yeah, yeah. um Josh, it's been an honor to sit down and and chat with you today. And I'm I'm really honestly looking forward to all the collaboration that I know you and I are going to have coming up in the future here. And I'm excited for that. I also want to congratulate you on your nomination. Thank you. For Sheriff. Um, Best of luck on that. I hope that plays out for you really well.
1: Yep, Delaware County,
0: Pennsylvania. Right on, brother. Uh, Is there anything, I know you didn't get to teach this year. If you were to. What is the
1: one thing that you want instructors to always take away from a conference like this? Hunger for knowledge. You know, I'm, I'm blessed. My mother is a lifelong educator and she built that in me to always want to learn more, learn more, learn more. We as educators, especially in public safety, where people, we're teaching them how to save lives and to pr- protect their own. We should constantly want to learn new things. And one of the things I've always told people, even my own team members in my, in my company, I say, If you're going to go to a conference, don't go to a class you went to the year before. Find something different. Purposely try to make yourself uncomfortable, or as my favorite book is called Deliberate Discomfort. Always find some way to make yourself learn more, because if you learn more, you're stronger mentally, and you're able to help people. And that's really, at the end of the day, every single person around the world that wears a uniform, that carries a badge, they want to help somebody. Knowledge is how we do it.
0: Couldn't agree more. I'm excited to be back here with you next year, share more knowledge with people. So, thanks so much for joining me, man. No problem. I appreciate it. Awesome. Join the
1: ILET network now. Go to That's ILET.network. That's I L E T.network.